Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Man, I would not give anything to go to the cloud right now. Hey, pretty bird. Pretty bird. I got my uh, my fuzzy mics over here. Yeah, you're better at disguising that thing. So everybody that needs that wants to know or needs to know on the video portion of the podcast is I'm speaking into my microphone, not uh, just have a little Furby or animal chilling on chinchilla <laughs> on my desk. It looks like a chinchilla. Yeah. So if you see me petting it, just ignore me. It's my it's my comfort uh, animal. We have chinchillas in the bleachers, folks. Chinchillas in the bleachers. And they're not wearing masks. There it is. Yep. Maskless chinchillas in the bleachers. I am Jeff Blum, one of the co-hosts of this podcast, Bleacher Blums. And uh, you see my good buddy, or you hear my good buddy on the other side in his beautiful orange Bleacher Blums t-shirt. David Tuttle out there on the West Coast representing and... uh, we don't know what the hell we're going to do on this podcast, so bear with us. As I say, that uh, What's on Tap is brought to you by St. Arnold, who I'm repping today by the patron saint of beers. Um, I wrote down a couple of ideas. Uh, Major League Baseball continues to have their feud in the open space of social media, which is always super fun. And then uh, golf. You know, we, we love golf, and uh, that's really the only topic that uh, it might be worth talking about right now is that they're going to have a uh, Charles Schwab challenge coming up this weekend, starting Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about that, and I'm sure there's going to be some other things that are interjected throughout those conversations. Uh, it just kind of sucks for me, and I'll get on, I'll get on the, the soapbox here real quick. You know, it kind of sucks for me. Uh, or us, because we started this because we're both ex-baseball players. We both have experience. You know, Tuttle played in college, Team USA, drafted, played. Oh, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft. That's ah, exciting news. That's exciting forgot about news. that. Um, the draft the draft stuff's kind of cool. And obviously, we'll have what will Tuttle say and uh, Blum's Blast real quick, talking about my weekend. But, um, you know, I'm, it, this whole podcast was generated on the fact that both of us are ex professional baseball players and we have a great deal of passion for sport, family, you know, fitness, whatever it is. But the, pre- the, the foundation is baseball and me working with the Astros actually opened us an opportunity to stay up on current events and make it baseball centric. And now I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, I don't know what is going on. And it, and it's so frustrating to me. And I, and I know fans are feeling the same way because now we, we, we started by blaming the players. Now, we, now we're blaming the owners. Now we're just like, dude, F it, man. Let's go. Let's just figure something out and go play the game. But uh, it, it's really hard for us and really doing our best to, um, to create content. But, man, I'm kind of losing faith in, in, in baseball a little bit. And it's not because, you know, we, we both understand the process. We both understand the business. But, that, you know, that doesn't discount what I feel in my heart. And I think that's where we're at now is, we, you know, this country and everything we're going through right now is so based on passions and beliefs and, and things like that, that my heart hurts for the game now. And I don't know if that I'm not trying to be overly emotional or dramatic about the situation, but I'm to the point now where I'm like, damn it. I want, I want to see some baseball. I want to play. I want, well, 
we all want to play again, but you know, I want to play again too. Maybe yeah, I'll get called up. Oh, I was no, going to say you and I, happen, maybe so. we get drafted, you know, and give it, give them another good solid day before my body gives out again. But uh, you know, it hurts for the game. It hurts for the fans and it hurts for a lot of people who actually rely on the game for a livelihood and, you know, a source of income and things like that. So there's a lot going on, but that's just kind of my diatribe and let you know where I'm coming from before we get into things. But Tuttle, my man, how you doing, dude? Uh, you look great. Oh, thank you. I finally shaved, got a haircut. I think, you know, for coming Dude, out of COVID, boy. quarantine, you know, we're uh, we're trying to yeah. trying to do well. You look well as as well. I uh, a little scrub. I mean, this is like you know a good yeah. week week and a half of growth. So yeah. that's all I've got going for me. But I did get trimmed up, like you said. I got my ears lowered, just like you. Yeah, yeah. I got my ears lowered, and it it always makes me happy. I feel like I can hear better. Just to kind of pick up <laughs> on your little, uh, just to pick up on your little um, rant at the beginning. And I think it's uh, it's important to point out. Um, you know, yeah, we started this as kind of a collective, like, hey, we have all these commonalities, and I think that people would be interested in hearing what we have to say, certainly our opinions on it, because we yeah. lived it for the most part. But um, but yeah, I'm a little low energy today in terms of, <clears throat> you know, I mean, there's only so many podcasts we can run talking about COVID-19 and shelter in place, and what are we doing, and what the new normal is going to be. But uh, I think the the theme that I keep coming back to over this time is that Baseball is not the front runner in American sports um, in terms of, you know, money and revenue and TV watching and all of that. I mean, we know the NFL is king and, you know, maybe we don't try and unseat that. But I can remember far back when Yao Ming kind of was drafted and what a kind of a world worldwide appeal he had. And then, you know, Kobe, uh, you know, grew up in Europe and he could speak multiple languages, including Italian and he was huge in China and you have like Stefan Marbury, Starbury going over to China and, you know, 10 time all-star and he's playing there. And so they've made that game global, which is certainly increased the awareness. So you have NFL and NBA kind of ahead. Um, this is a golden opportunity for baseball to jump back into the conversation of regardless of whether they take over revenue or, um, you know, the money aspect advertising, it's their opportunity to jump into, um, into the American pastime discussion again. And I think they're, uh, they're missing the boat. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit more without getting too deeply into the topic. I was just saying, then that's probably what's causing some of this low energy vibe. It's kind of like, Oh man, you know, baseball could be, we could be starting right now. Um, and you'll talk about it in Blum's glass that you, uh, you know, you had the, the privilege and the excitement of calling a, a tournament this weekend where, you know, Hey, actually live baseball on the field. Um, and, you know, as we see AYSO and Little League and um, uh, swimming now, maybe that you can't get it in the pool, but I see swim practices are starting for the mm -hmm. summer for teams, local teams here. There's got to be a way for Major League Baseball with all the money and some of the things you went through this weekend, like the testing and maybe no yep. fans to, uh, to figure this out. And really, that's kind of disheartening because, yes, it's a business. Yes, it's a livelihood. But you touched on it. There are other people that make their livelihood and uh, – and their well-being around this game of baseball, not just the players. Um, Trevor Bauer, our favorite, I mentioned him before about uh, when his phone number got out. That was great. Um, he turned that into a contest. But he uh, he just tweeted out this morning, um, drove by a softball field last night that was lit and had two teams playing and drinking beer in the dugout. like, And they had fans, some wives sitting in the stands. It was like, oh, gosh, these guys at the park, softball guys figured it out. Right. You know, so anyway, yeah, who would have thought you'd be jealous of a beer league softball game right now. Right. 
seriously like i'm gonna just i'm just gonna do that i'm just gonna roll down to the park and uh and watch one of those because uh i think they're they're ahead of the curve on this but uh but anyway yeah so families well summer started kids are out of school but again um you touched on it a little low energy and a little disheartened with uh with how as you said our focus on this podcast is baseball and baseball seems to be kind of I guess for lack of a better term, dropping the ball. <laughs> yeah, dropping the ball, pulling, dragging us down there, an anchor right now. And it's just, you're right about the opportunity to create some, some unity around a sport or a distraction. I mean, we've talked about it repeatedly, and I'm with you in the sense that, you know, I, I think I, I texted our, on Social Nostra, this network we're a part of now on YouTube, you know, not only do, do Tuttle and I have conversations about what we want to do on our podcast, I, I, you know, we try and get an outline together and get some ideas out there so we can put a good program together with you. But I literally, I'm usually about two or three head, days ahead in advance where I'm, you know, this is a great topic. Let's talk about this. But I, you know, I, I texted on our Slack conversation last night that I'm like, dude, I'm spent. You know, I'm, I'm, how many times like, can you, how many times can we slam our head into the wall talking about uh, Major League Baseball proposals going back and forth? And, you know, we'll, we'll just go ahead and get into the, uh, the, the Major League Baseball talk because we good. keep alluding to it. So why not get into it? And, uh, you know, they, there's been a proposal for Major League Baseball. The, the players came back with uh, another proposal last night. And I feel like all we're doing is trying different shades of lipstick on this thing to go, hey, look, isn't this prettier? Let's go with this one. And it, it's not working. You know, the players are very astute in their, you know, their, their way of sticking to their guns and understanding what's being offered to them. So I applaud them on that. The owners, we know what the owners want. The owners want a shorter season so they can pay less in salary, so they can cut, you know, as in as minimal of a loss as they can throughout the course of the season. But I feel like, you know, they did come back with games, so they did offer some more games to the players. If that's, you know, if that's a concession, whatever. But it's it's also frustrating to me that, you know, to Tuttle's point, talking about giving baseball an opportunity to really become you know, that, that Americana again, or become America's pastime again. I was fired up about the July 4 start date. I'll be patriotic in that sense that I love the fact that baseball is one of those sports that we play on July 4th because you tailgate, you barbecue, you go to a ball game, the game's over and you see some fireworks and everybody goes, thank God we live in America. You know, we have our issues, but still you're thankful that you're here celebrating both the, the agony and ecstasy of being an American. And with these negotiations going the way they are and nobody agreeing on anything, guess what? They, they, they screwed that up. They don't have that opportunity. So now everything's going to be pushed to the middle of July when you finally get something going. And maybe that pushes the, reg- you know, the postseason back a little bit. But uh, that ship has sailed. You know? And that, w- that was a little bit of a harsh reality yesterday, too, when I was texting you guys as I'm going, all right, I was ready to wear you know, my, my red, white, and blue striped tie and be like, here's baseball. It's back again. And you know, we got nothing. We got nothing but a, a great big fart on the negotiation. And uh, I think that uh, the owners are, I think what, I don't want to, you know, miss, I don't want to understate how upset the owners are. Because if you have not read into this and understand what's happened since 1994, uh, granted, everybody's making a lot of money, but don't underestimate how upset owners are right now. This the players are stubborn. The players know what they want. Don't ever discount out that either. But do not underestimate how upset ownership is because 
this is a small, and I mean, this is scary to think about, but this is a small, small negotiation in comparison to what's going to happen at the end of 2021. So we have that to look forward to. Well, he says tongue in cheek, look forward to is, is all relative. Is it not? I, uh, I keep coming back to this and maybe I'm missing the point and um, somebody could certainly write in or certainly uh, we could have, like you said, somebody like Jason Stark or, um, you know, Buster only correct us, but I feel like we've, yeah, if, we, if you, we, you bring it, I'm with you. Yeah. On that. <laughs> no, but I'm saying if you, if you keep saying the word negotiation, it makes me again, maybe because we played and we've been around the game, it makes me think of collective bargaining. I mean, like, like yep. we're having these two sides and I, that, that just shouldn't be like, you already talked. that's 2021. Let's have that conversation down the road. This should be like, how quickly, like, is it testing? Is it fans in the stands? We already talked about like buying cardboard cutouts. Like this should be like um, a logistical kind of semantics. Uh, have some fun discussion. with it. I, I agree with what you're saying until, you know, rules change, whatever, just get yeah. it back and have some fun with it right, right now that- because we know the impending doom. Right. And that should be the, that should be the discussion. And maybe that's why I'm saying if we get an expert on here saying, Oh, well, that's what they are discussing. That's part of it. Then, okay. Then I'm misunderstanding it. Mm -hmm. But to me from afar, reading what I read and reading some of the sources, and I feel like we're connect connected to that. I, I feel like they're taking this, like, all right, we're teeing this up either for the collective bargaining agreement. Like these are some of the, the, the chess pieces we have to move around. They shouldn't be doing that at this point. And I think, you know, let's prorate the salaries for the time that they play, you know, and that's why the players came back with what you, whatever you said, 114 games, and now they're down to 89 and, you know, how that works. And we know the owners want to pay less because we know there aren't going to be fans in the stands, but you know, this is a, this is a constantly changing landscape. Maybe there are fans in the stands for the playoffs. Maybe they figure out a way to do that. And all of a sudden that revenue boon is, is uh, greater than they thought, um, not less than they thought. So they're kind of, you know, it's kind of like crossing the desert, not knowing if you're going to run into an oasis. I get it. They're preparing for the worst, mm-hmm. but I, I think it really should be a logistical semantics argument or discussion. How can we get the guys on the field as soon as possible? Let's worry about, you know, what this means for long-term contracts and what this means for, you know, who has leverage and who doesn't have leverage when it comes, when it comes time to sit down at the table. I mean, if they don't get this worked out, you're, and we already touched on baseball is getting pushed, 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 you know, maybe hockey. Cause we talked about their playoff season is going to be fantastic. Maybe they jump ahead of baseball and then the collective bargaining agreement in 2021, when we already know there's going to be some tension and some thing, bad blood. Now you have no chance to recover. Let's, let's, you know, let's dangle the carrot now. Like, Oh, fans, like at least tease them or at least get us excited to be like, all right, baseball's thinking the right way. They're they're working towards getting us, you know, intrigued. You know, I I, I just it's frustrating, and so I hope um, that that's what the negotiation or the discussion is. That it's about how quickly can we get on the field. Um, if it has those underpinnings or the the undercurrent of the what's what's to come in twenty twenty one. I mean, it's going to be Good tough. Lord. It's going to be tough. Yeah. No, it is going to be tough. And I, I hate to be doom and gloom. And that's kind of what I hinted at when we opened the show is, man, dude, my, my heart is breaking for the game because it's yeah. everything that has come out. And, and this is just in the sense of sports. Everything that has come out in every other league has been positive or moving forward. And their anticipation. Yes. Baseball has not had that. You know, the NBA is getting a deal done. They're going to lock everybody in Orlando and they're going to figure it out. Uh, 
<laughs> one of the funniest tweets that I've seen recently is I can't remember what writer it was, but it was somebody, you know, that covers a ton of sports talking about baseball. And it said, if the MLS can figure it out, why can't baseball? And I, you know, it, and it's not a knock on soccer, but no, to but... Tuttle's point, you know, you've got the hierarchy of sports in America and MLS even understands that we need to get on the field to, to save our product or to encourage people to see our product. And there better not be an arrogance in baseball that says, we're going to be fine. We've been fine in the past. We'll be fine again. That's where you could get caught in that little bit of a tailspin in the circle of death where you could just all of a sudden alienate a huge populace of sports fans and just be like, you know, you think you're better than us watching your game? screw you, I'm out, you know, because if you have fringe, you know, if you have, you know, in politics, you're always trying to figure out where are the independents. And I mean, sports is similar in a sense where you're trying to, who are the independents? Who are on the fringes of being baseball fans and who are on the fringes of not being baseball fans? And that, those, that's where the focus should be because I know being an Astro broadcaster, there are die hard Astro fans Cheat, Absolutely. no cheat, win, lose. They're going to wear their blue and orange, and that goes for a lot of teams across the league. But the second, you know, those those fringe Astro fans went, man, I really like the guys, but, man, they cheated. I'm out. You know, those are the fans you need to worry about, and that's who you should not cater to, but that's who you should try and impress. And that's where I think we're at right now is we're losing sight of that because if Major League Soccer – is, is taking a chance and trying to get a product out there. Why shouldn't baseball? And I just, it was kind of funny to hear that reporter tweet that out because it's, you know, you hate to knock on a sport, but MLS is not one of the more popular ones out mm. here. Like it is in the UK or Germany or something like that, you know? Yeah, no, soccer is way down on that list. I mean, there are a couple other things that could slide in there uh, ahead of it. But the funny thing is we talked about this. One of the essentials of, um, what we started this podcast for was to talk sports, but you know, family life sports, but our background is baseball. Um, the English premier league, my daughter's been playing soccer. So I'm, I'm a little more intrigued by soccer probably than I have been in years. That comes back June 17th. I'm going to be watching deal, soccer. Man. I'm going to be watching live soccer. So if, Dude, that, if I get into live, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like the Bundesliga is great too. Cause there's a couple Americans there. It's fine. I haven't been watching it, but English but premier league is live sport. It's getting an eye that I'm a fringe guy. Right. And I'm kind of a fringe guy too. I watch cause my daughter likes it and she'll watch it on occasion. But I'm mm -hmm. like, I, if there's, if we're going to watch, I mean, no offense. If I'm watching like the, uh, the highlights of the 2017 Astros playoff wins, versus watching an English Premier League soccer game live. I'm watching the soccer game live. I already know that's, what happens in the other game. Point. And you can say that about all this stuff. So as, as the tweet um, intimates or hints at, I mean, yeah, MLS figured it out. They want to put product on the field. Guess what? They're going to have those games televised and they're going to be back on the field and they're going to be paying their athletes. And, and they're going to be, like you said, the fringe athletes are going to be there. I mean, fan is short for fanatic. Astro fan, Dodger fan, Giant fan. I mean, they're on board. If the season goes away, then when the next season starts, they're on board with their team. But how do you win fans? How do you get that middle population, the 60% or 70% of the people that are just kind of like, yeah, I watch baseball when it's on. Get them enthusiastic about your live sport and your revenue will increase regardless of whether you have fans in the stand. This is going to sound crazy, but you actually said something that struck me and I don't know why, but... <laughs> You know, you, you said 
the the Premier League and Bundesliga were talking about watching soccer, and then you said they're going to pay their athletes. Guess what? I haven't heard. I haven't heard their players bitching about you know pay cuts or whatever it is. And on the other hand, I haven't heard about you know Premier League owners saying, "Oh, we're going to lose a crap ton of money. I don't know if we should do this." It's kind of an interesting point, and I don't feel like. You know, baseball is – I think baseball and the maybe those soccer leagues are in a little bit similar position because their leagues are around the same time and they're missing, you know, portions of their season that should be happening right now. Right. Whereas the NFL is on a high offseason. NBA got cut short. NHL is a great example too because they kind of coincide with what's going on with baseball. And uh, they miss their part of their season. But, uh, you know, a lot of these other leagues are – number one on the field, they're paying their athletes, but we haven't heard really that, that disgruntledness of, of loss of money. And I'm not sure why that is, or I'm not sure if I haven't been reading too much into it because if, if premier leagues on TV, like Tuttle said, I'll watch it. You know, I'm curious to see how they're doing it. It's kind of interesting to me watched with no fans out there. You know, I watched one that had the noise piped in and the cheering and the chants that they do because it would be bizarre probably for those guys to talk about playing in an empty stadium where there's such a fervent atmosphere during a soccer game as far as that noise and the chanting and the singing. But uh, the one thing I don't know, maybe I don't know if you know anything else about this, but I really don't feel like I've heard, you know, those Premier Leagues or Bundesligas or NHL or, I mean, the NBA is getting their money. But I haven't heard anybody talk about the loss of salary or loss of income during starting these leagues back up. I, you know, I think we should just have to do some research. We're not the kind of guys that sit here and talk and have to pull up all the stats, but I, you know, I'll look into it a little bit, but I, I think the fact that we haven't heard of it, you know, it's the, if the tree falls in the forest and no one's around, yeah, they somebody, hear it, right? somebody would have said something, right? Yeah. I think somebody would have said something or they would have complained. Um, soccer was kind of mid season as well. So yeah. the premier league was certainly like two thirds of the way through their season. So they're going to get back up and running. Um, when we had Jeff Schwartz on, it made me think of, he talked about the football in the South, like college football is going to happen in the South. Like it's just going to happen. Those people just don't <laughs> care. They're to. fanatical and that they will still lose. And we brought this up on a few podcasts about $50 million with no fans <sighs> in the stands, but guess what? They're still going to play. They're going to lose $50 that's a, million. That's, dollars. that's what I'm looking for. That, that right? is, yes. Thank I you. I mean, that's, yep. that's it. He said that. Yes. So where is that kind of, um, you know what? We're going to lose X amount of dollars, millions of dollars, but we're going to play. We got to get these guys on the field. And I think that's the, that's what, I mean, to take it down to it's like nitty gritty, like down to the basics. That's what we want. We just want to get them on the field. I mean, everybody will get their money in the long run. I mean, can you feed your family? And as you said, the popcorn vendors, the, the beer vendors, people like that. I mean, no, nobody's working. They're not getting paid. I'm hopefully, um, like some companies doing their furloughing employees, right? So they're not mm-hmm. paying them, but they give them their benefits, their health benefits and things like that. But there are, there are bigger social issues tied around this. Yeah. Um, and I think just the fact that Justin Verlander and Kate Upton were donating game checks, um, obviously they're in a different um, tax bracket than most folks in America. But mm-hmm. the fact that they're willing to do that and have the ability to do it will say that, look, they're not worried about their children starving. I think, uh, you know, somewhere in that middle ground. And I'm always pro player. I mean, their, their, their earnings window is very short. Um, they need to maximize the dollars. I mean, you know, we go back to, you know, the union and, and, and all the, the things that that has brought um, for the players when the owners used to exploit them uh, consistently and constantly, but uh, we're in a new, a new uh, 
a new era. And I think that the bottom line is just from a, like a kid tantrum thing. Like we just got to get these guys on the field. Like let's play some baseball. So I agree. And you know what I learned uh, through a lot of the reading and stuff like that. And you know, Tuttle and I are always talking about the earning window of a, of a major league player. Uh, I think I read something. I know I read something because I can't (laughs) read, Uh, but it said that, you know, the major average major league uh, career now is only four years. So, I mean, that's something to think about. And if you remove 2020 for whatever reason, you know, maybe COVID kicks back in or you lose that season. I mean, now you're down to three years for a guy who maybe breaks in this year or is in the middle of those four years with, you know, this season. Yeah. So that would be a real shame, you know, to lose that amount of time. Well, they'll barely get like one arbitration year. You won't even ever get a free agency. If you're a four-year guy, like you're like, all right, hey, I got two years of arbitration. That's it. And, you know, one year of arbitration, like you said, that that's where the earnings happen. That's where the longevity. That's right. I mean, so that's a huge, huge factor. Yeah. And I, not to foreshadow, but I really feel that that, that issue of arbitration and free agency is definitely going to come up in 2021 uh, at the end of that season for players, as far as how quickly they can get into arbitration and free agency. But we talked about NHL has a plan. NBA has a plan. NFL is moving forward, maybe with some different, uh, you know, training uh, options as far as who can be there and who can't. Uh, the Bundesliga, the Premier League, golf is starting this weekend. We'll get into that real quick in a, in a little bit. But with that being said, all of the talk about baseball has been about financial situations. Are we underestimating the risk that's actually going to be on the field playing during a pandemic at all? I'm just asking because yeah, I'm no, going to talk a, about this a little bit in my uh, Blum's Blast because I yeah, got yeah, to no, watch baseball. Yeah, it's a valid question. It's a great question. I mean, you 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 experienced it firsthand this past weekend. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think I said it last podcast, like I don't – I mean, I'm – I'm, I'm risk averse at this point. Like I'm ready to, what, what can we do? Okay. I'll, I'll go do that. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, there's more statistics coming out. I, I heard a, an author who wrote a book about the Spanish flu say, um, the only thing we learn from history is that we learn absolutely nothing from history, which is, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there are these, there are these timelines, you know, 30 or 40 years, we're going to know a heck of a lot more, but that's why like drug studies and, you know, m- medication studies, they, they take time. So, oh yeah, we got this breakthrough drug, you know, we've, we've tested it on mice and it's been out six months, go for it. And then three months later, like, oh no, don't drink that with, don't take it with water. It'll kill you. You're like, wait a second. I've been drinking it with water. So I think the same thing with this. It's like, I, I, I saw two things yesterday. One was that the transmission, and this is what actually concerned me, which is so funny. Um, if you're asymptomatic, so you have no symptoms of COVID-19, but you're a carrier, right? You have it, you've been tested and you have it. You're way less likely to transmit it, which is kind of counterintuitive, but that's the stealthy part that everybody's worried about. Cause they're like, Hey, this guy has it, but he doesn't look like he has it. He can transmit it. And they related it to something about how bioavailable it is. Like if your lungs are affected, then mm-hmm. that's when you're breathing it out. But if you're carrying the symptoms, but you're not, um, Oh, if but you're it's not carrying actually... the disease, but it's not actually manifesting okay. itself in the same capacity it is on somebody That's on a ventilator. So yeah. So the bottom line is they're saying you're less likely. So that was my big concern. Like, Hey, I'm sitting next to a guy on an airplane or I'm sitting next to a guy in the stands mm-hmm. and he has it, but he doesn't act like he has, it. he doesn't look like he has it. So again, what you guys did, like taking temperature and doing those things, like if you're asymptomatic, even if you have it, you're much less likely to transmit it, which again, kind of allayed my fears and made me think, so yeah. to your to your original question, um, you know, I don't 
I, I don't, I just don't foresee it being a huge issue as they test everybody and they keep some social distancing. Um, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the issue for the players really, if they yeah. get some more information. I mean, Good. there's so many, yeah, so many different, I mean, what, what do you think? No, I was just kind of curious because I felt like we were getting off on a tangent where all of a sudden the COVID, which everybody said was a huge deadly virus, mm-hmm. all of a sudden kind of took the back seat uh, for whatever reason. And we got so focused on get on the field, get on the field, that you've got to remember that there might be some high risk guys involved, you know, as players. But then if you are playing in your home city and you're living at home and you have somebody, you say you have a son or daughter who has asthma or, you know, a high risk of asthma or, yeah. you know, a wife who, you know, has high blood pressure or something, you know, there's just a physical ailment that is really conducive to being, you know, COVID-19, uh, you know, horrible, you know, side effect things. But, you know, does that, did we not think about that? Are we not respecting right. that? But, uh, you know, there is a clause in there that says you can opt out if you have that kind of risk to the player. Exactly. But I'm curious if it extends to the family member, like, can I opt out of playing this season because my wife or my son or daughter, is it high risk of contracting this because of a, a previous issue? So, you know, I'm sure it extends, but back to the original conversation, if that's the issue, let's talk about those one-on-one. Yeah. Let's say that that's the specifics and the logistics that we need to discuss. Let's not talk about what this means for, you know, the collective bargain agreement in 2021 or what you're trying to yeah, leverage, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. salary. So now let's get that stuff on the table and then figure it out. That should be the discussion. So it's a valid question, Blummer, And I don't know if there's a true answer yet. Yet. But hopefully, if they're sitting in a room like we're sitting, you know, across from each other on this podcast, like, hey, like, yeah, let's figure that shit out. Like, that's mm-hmm. the that's the important stuff. Um, and then you brought up the money. I just wanted to make a point: the arbitration free agency. That's what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, they're almost. I, I don't want to say this for fear of having the players like storm my my house, but arbitration and free agency aren't as maybe lauded or as. Uh, hugely important as they used to be in the sense that people like Bregman and Trout and um, Nolan Arenado, if you're a superstar and you're only in two years or three years in, they'll negotiate. Like there's a little discount there, but you can negotiate a contract kind of before. They never used to do that. So again, the evolution of baseball is changing that landscape too. Um, you know, somebody like me, like a journeyman and you get up there, you're going to have to go through like, all right, here's, you know, you're a super two or you're a three, like, yeah, you signed all those one-year contracts. You're just Mm going to have to kind of make your way into those free agency years. But the superstars, you know, anyway, I didn't mean to bring it back to the money I did, but I'm just saying. No, it's a great point. I mean, we'll explore that a lot more, you know, in hopefully in a couple of years when we're still doing this, because I think that that's how the owners have tried to adapt to right. the uh, arbitration situation, like you said, get them at a discounted rate because arbitration numbers have seemed to climb, especially if you are the Arenados, the Bregmans, right. or you know the Garrett Coles and those guys who can go out there and kick your butt in yeah. arbitration. Right. So I, I, mean, I guess what, what I'm always thinking is fair market or not. I mean, those guys are going to get paid. If you're a superstar and you belong in the league and you're not, you know, ooh, you're only, you know, first year of arbitration or second year. I mean, that's four, five, six years in the league before you hit free agency. I mean, you're going to get paid and you'll get paid um, handsomely. And, and so I, I'm not saying that won't be a negotiating tactic. I'm just saying that there have been some concessions as, as you made. And so mm-hmm. hopefully those issues can get resolved, but the issues from the COVID standpoint, um, if you have, that's what I said before, we're making these decisions based on um, 
maybe the needs of a few. Like if you, if you have a at-risk child or an at-risk um, situation at home or you're high, high risk, then maybe like you said, you opt out. And that's mm-hmm. one or two players maybe, you know, in every other organization or something like that. That's not the whole livelihood of everybody that's tied to Major League Baseball. And again, as long as they're having those type of discussions, I don't really have a dispute. But it seems like, as you said, the N- NBA's figured it out. The NHL certainly figured it out. Um, they're going to just start with playoffs. I mean, everybody's kind of moving in the right direction and we're not hearing any of that. We're basically hearing, you know, these guys are, you know, throwing stones at each other and, and yeah, you man. know, they're back and forth, back and forth. And there just doesn't seem to be a timetable or anything. Yeah. Have you seen the reports that are saying, I, I mean, I know we're belaboring this major league baseball thing and I do want to move That's on. That's why we're here. But uh, have you read the uh, – there was, there was a couple articles out there saying that, you know, unilaterally Major League Baseball could just go out and say this is how it's going to be and force the players to agree to it? Um, I, I, I don't know if I read that. I mean, I guess ultimately when there is a collective bargaining agreement in place, <laughs> it's yeah. a right to work, right? I mean, it's kind of like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. you guys are our employees, essentially, of Major League Baseball. I mean, I know the clubs have to – you know. Major League Baseball to me is always like the United States, like, right? You have Major League Baseball yeah. and then each club is a state. So there's different rules in that clubhouse <laughs> yeah. and there's different. So, you know, so the United States is a big place. So, but yeah, unilaterally, I mean, officially Major League Baseball said, all right, games are going to go on in Florida at this time and this date and you guys show up and play. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I, as you know, as a player, like, I just hope it doesn't come to that. I just hope it's a yeah. little less contentious, but uh you know, I mean, they wouldn't be the first employees forced to work. And then that could, as mm-hmm. you said, that could just exacerbate or accelerate like, all right, we're going to strike. We're not going to play under these situations. And now, you know, now here we go. We're circling the drain for ever bringing baseball back to what it was before, which, you yeah. know, we always seem to wait till the witching hour to get negotiations done anyway. So maybe, they, yeah, maybe, no they, yeah, maybe <laughs> they strap it on on J- July 3rd. They come to an agreement. July 4th, they're in the ballpark and fireworks. We yeah, truly. I mean, that would that would be a glorious plan if it actually came to fruition. But uh, I do love the conversation. I love that we continue to ask questions about it because as much as we do know about the sport and everything that's going on, we, there's a lot of things that we do not understand unless you're in the trenches. But uh, man, I, I kind of fear, you know, if they do say, okay, you're not going to agree to any of this stuff. Here we go. 50 games, take it or leave it. And if you leave it, you're not getting anything ever again and we'll see in 2021 we can try and blow your doors off and yeah. like you you just alluded to it could spiral the drain and just be an absolute uh mess moving yeah. forward okay but uh what's not a mess is the pga i'm a big pga fan i know a lot of people think it's pretty boring but i am overly excited to watch some pga action especially after the match part du- Went so well with Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. We talk about that quite a bit. Right north of us here in Houston, in Fort Worth, you are going to see the Charles Schwab Challenge coming up uh, the weekend of June 11th to the 14th, which is going to be outstanding. Yeah, this weekend. Yeah. Coming that's up this weekend. I'm doing my math on my fingers here. Like June 11th, like today. Is- You're like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Tomorrow is that's tomorrow's the 11th. It's starting tomorrow, bro. Yeah. And you know, what's fun is that I've taken, you know, you take so many of these sports schedules for granted and you know, the routine of it that you kind of go, okay, this tournament's up this weekend, but I had to look it up. And what was cool is the PGA tour, you know, does a great job on their website. I'm clicking on links. I'm reading articles and man, the field, I pulled down who's going to be at this tournament. I mean, it is stacked, bro. 
there, you know, I think there's like a Roy, Rory McElroy, you know, John Rom. I mean, uh, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, and Justin Thomas are in one group. Uh, they've got so many good players coming out to this thing, and I think that's outstanding. And I think you can kind of expect that because if you have portion of your season and portion of your income gone, I feel like in the PGA you can opt into more tournaments to go play and, and give yourself an opportunity to continue to make more money, which is kind of interesting in that sense. But good, good for the PGA, good for the Charles Schwab Challenge. It's going to be played up there in Fort Worth because eyes are going to be on them if we, if we learn from what happened with some of the golf matches we've seen during this COVID crisis. Um, it's going to be a big test. It's going to be how do they handle it. As of an article I read on that uh, golfcentral.com, uh, I think, you know, as of June 9th, the article was written and said there's going to be no fans. And the broadcast crew is going to be at 50% uh, as far as cameras and on-site, uh, you know, broadcast team. I believe Jim Nance is actually going to be on-site in the, in the booth while, oh man, is it Nick Faldo? I think it's Nick Faldo who is his counterpart will be in Orlando, Florida at the PG or the uh, Golf Network uh, studios. So that will be a little bit different. Uh, dude, it's going to be hot as balls. I mean, I, you know, that's one thing you kind of take for granted. Great, they're starting in June, but it's in Fort Worth. Good God, hydrate, boys. Because yesterday down here in Houston, it was about 100 degrees uh, with humidity. Uh, so that's going to be great. It's going to be a big test to see how that, un, how that goes as far as a broadcast. But uh, something else that I think the PGA did extremely well is, and I'm going to pull it up on my computer real quick to make sure that I get this right. Because at 8.46 a.m., there, you know, you have tee times all day long. They're teeing off from the first and 10th tees. And at 8.46 a.m., the PGA is going to not have a tee time in honor of George Floyd. So the, the statement says, as the PGA Tour commits to amplifying the voices and efforts underway to end systematic issues of racial and social injustice impacting our country, we have reserved the 8.46 a.m. tee time at the Charles Schwab Challenge to pay our respects to the memory of George Floyd. We will pause at 8.46 a.m. during each round for a moment of silence, prayer, and reflection. So kudos to the PGA for recognizing that and taking an opportunity. I think it's a great idea, but uh, uh, I'm going to probably watch all four rounds. And my kids and my wife are going to go, what the hell are you doing? But I cannot wait to watch me some live golf, man. All four rounds of golf, Blummer? Why can't you watch baseball or basketball or something else on TV? Oh, yeah, because they don't have I watched it, NASCAR so. the other day. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. You know, I wrote down a couple of things. The yeah, funniest that's interesting things. in itself, but I'd had, I, I stopped because it was live. I went, all right. Yeah, I, I, I don't watch NASCAR ever, dude. No, I don't either. I don't even know the guys. Don't even know the players. I might watch Formula One. I like Formula One on occasion. But uh, anyway, yeah, a couple of things you said about the 50% less uh, staff on, on site, which cracks mm -hmm. me up in golf. Like, <laughs> you know, the, they have the lift clean in place over there with the guy that doesn't have the camera. Like, hey, I saw Spieth move his ball. No, no, no. There's no camera. Like, you can just picture, like, you know, all the camera angles of golf now. It's kind of yeah. like... Spieth is tying his shoe. Spieth yeah, like is behind the tree. Somebody called in on like Spieth, Justin Johnson yeah. like a while back. Like, oh, yeah, people call in. He placed his club. He, can't, he grounded his club. Yeah, that was uh, actually a tournament he was going to win. It was, a, it was, it was, it was an open, going right? to win. It was yeah. uh, an open, and it was a, it was a sand trap. Mm -hmm. It was a sand trap that had grass over it. Yeah. And so he had put his club down in, and you're not allowed to put your club in the sand. But to your point, I mean, 50% less crew makes me laugh, but – 
Jim Nance is on site, then it makes it all worth it. Folks. Right. I mean, I'm watching four rounds. I'll just shut my eyes, you know, during my nap and listen to Jim Nance <laughs> call the golf and pretend it's like really. There's one of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan. Shout out to Brian Regan. Um, mm-hmm. He has a whole golf thing on there that, um, yeah, golfers seem to golf fans seem to call in to broadcast. So D- Dennis Johnson or uh, Dustin Johnson got a phone call that one year. Um, the Masters got a call on CBS. Some guy called in, and this is Brian Regan's bit, so please don't give me credit. <laughs> and he said that, uh, you know how they do the bird chirping in the trees as they go out to Magnolias? There was like a, somebody called in and said, uh, that bird chirping is not indigenous to that part of it. He's like, <laughs> so he said that there was a hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo. That would be a And they called in and said, you guys are piping in bird noises. <laughs> And he's like, could you imagine being that guy on the phone? Like, oh, uh, yeah, hello, this is CBS. Like, yeah, oh, super, oh, super fun at parties. Hey, Chuck, yeah. what are you doing? I got to call in. That's not the right bird. Yeah, yeah, that's not the right bird. Yeah. Oh, no, this is serious <laughs> stuff. So the Masters, of course, init- uh, or CBS did, they, uh, they issued an apology for uh, piping. You should an apology for that? To- yeah, because it was on the broadcast. Yeah, they shouldn't be doing that. That's what they said. So there you go. I guess that's where we're at now. But yeah, yeah. Whatever. Well, that was a while ago. But it cracks me up. So to your point, I mean, I, I just thought 50% less cameras. But yeah, live sports on TV. I'm, I was talking about English Premier League earlier. I might watch four rounds of golf. At yeah. least three rounds starting Friday. I'm going to watch and see who's in the hunt. And yep. then ba- back to your George Floyd thing. I mean, obviously, that's something that's not going away. And we touched on it extensively in the last podcast. But, uh, you know, I mean like listen and learn folks. Right. I mean, yeah. obviously the Afro-American community is not super well represented in uh, the PGA, but uh, you know, yeah. we all just need to, uh, we all just need to, uh, to do our part and do our best. I, I listened to one of my favorite Navy SEALs. No, not Jocko, but David Goggins had a really emotional about an 11 minute video that he posted. And he said that everywhere he got in life, there was a white man that helped him get there. You know, he grew up well, with, you know, somebody out, painting though. the, yeah, painting the N word on his car. And, you know, he grew up and uh, people wrote that on his notebook in high school and he felt inferior and all this stuff. But he said, man, in Navy SEAL training, he made it through two buds and he was injured in two different buds and you're not allowed to go through a third time. And one of his corporals or captains said, I know you can make it. I know you broke your whatever femur or whatever the hell the guy broke and toughed it out. Um, he let crazy, him, man. Yeah, but he let him go through buds again. And his point was, look, everywhere that he's gotten a break in life and everywhere that, you know, he's earned it, but everywhere that he needed kind of a respite or some help to kind of push, he said there was a white man there. So he said, look, this problem is not going to be solved by the African-American community. This problem will be solved by white folks opening up their hearts, opening up their minds and making a decision that, hey, this is the kind of country we want to live in. And uh, I, it was, dude, it was impactful and I didn't mean to go there, but with the George Floyd. Uh, no, it's a part mo- of it now. Yeah. Moment of silence. It was like, yeah, dude, I mean, we could do more. We can, we can do more. And, and we, we, we did, we touched on it last time in the clubhouse. That was something that just never, never even occurred to me. Right. In a clubhouse. Oh, it was man. like the guys that were jerks were jerks, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it was their behavior and attitude. It wasn't anything else. I more and often so, look like this than anybody else. Yeah, there you go. Jesus. That's right. So anyway, so uh, like yeah, that. so Live sports, baby. Live sports. Let's do it. Let's do it. And how about uh, transitioning to draft day, which is today for Major League Baseball? The first round is going to go off. And if you're an Astro fan, you know they don't have a draft pick in the first two rounds. 
and they're going to have four picks total. One of them is going to be a comp compensation pick for losing Garrett Cole to free agency. And then you have the third round, fourth round, fifth round. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, but uh, I can't remember. I think it was Brett Anderson, a left-handed pitcher, who said, congratulations to all those young men who are going to be about to be drafted. Everything in our sport is going swimmingly. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny that you're getting drafted into a league that is not even playing, can't figure out how to play. So you got that going for you guys. Uh, hold on dearly to that signing bonus if and when you ever get it. I think there's a delay <laughs> on the payment on the, on the signing bonuses that are going out there. And again, the draft has been, uh, you know, it's been 70 rounds, it's been 60 rounds, and it's been cut to 40 rounds. This year, due to circumstances, it's going to be uh, five rounds and I think 20 rounds from there on out moving on. If when you get past, there's some really interesting aspects to this that uh, that that are past those five rounds. So if you get drafted in the five rounds, obviously you're golden. But the problem is once you get past those five rounds, then what happens? Because you're going to have seniors in high school, seniors in collegiate baseball that move on and want to play pro ball. And I think well, I think and have the ability. I mean, if they were going to be a ninth yeah, round pick, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, so that that actually brings up the question: Do they even try and sign free agents during the, You know, if you're a free a non drafted free agent, and I think you can offer them up to twenty thousand dollars to become a, a part of your team. But here's but this is the interesting part. So you get past the five rounds. You have non drafted free agents, which are normal. You can sign them at any time. My brother was a non-drafted free agent, signed for like five grand and got a, you know, a bus ticket to uh, wherever, I think Burlington, Vermont, with the Expos. And that last then, name uh, Blum got him pretty far, man. Hey, hey man, ride those coattails. It didn't get, do much for him, but whatever. <laughs> but, uh, hey, got him five grand and a start in the professional baseball. I'm, I'm totally yeah. But have you thought about this? There's a, there's a signing free, like there's a roster freeze in major league or for major, for teams, just for major league baseball and minor league baseball. There's a freeze on rosters, but recently we have seen the A's release 40 guys out of their system. We've seen other organizations or they release 30 guys out of their organization. Those guys are in freaking purgatory, dude. Yeah. They, they're unaccessible. Yeah. You can't get to them. What the hell happens to those guys, man? I hope somebody has a good database for how when the teams get up and running again or if they get up and running again. And I think it's, it's amazing. It is. I mean, you know, playing as long in the minor leagues as I did, um, you know, you it's not about doubting your ability, but you start thinking about, you know, someone's like, oh, well, you're just a roster filler, right, for the prospects, right? I mean, you hear that regardless. I mean, you hear that in the big leagues. Like, wait till, you know, Billy Johnson gets up there, Blummer, and you're not going to be a pinch hitter anymore, yep. whatever. You're not going to get here. Yeah, you're gone. We need him on the 25-minute. So you hear it throughout your career, right? You're always kind of looking over your shoulder. Or you're always grinding hard so that you don't have that. Um, so, I mean, this is definitely that time when, hey – I guess those 40 dudes were just roster fillers. But the interesting thing is we're going to have stories. Let's hope if Major League Baseball yeah. you know, pulls their head out, we're going to have stories of guys that made it through COVID. You know, it, it used to be like, hey, Mike Piazza was a 62nd round draft pick and he was Tommy Lasorda's godson. He was playing at Juco out in, you know, BFE and he made it to the big <laughs> leagues. We're going to have stories of guys that were like, yeah, I, you know, I was a career minor leaguer and on COVID, I got released and I was sitting in this purgatory where I couldn't be signed and no other team could get me. I came back to spring training two years later. 
made the club and now I'm in the big leagues. There's going to be more than one player. I hope so. Kind of is sitting in that space. That's going to make it because you know, they have the ability and the heart and the drive. And uh, I think those will be fun stories like Olympic type stories in the, uh, in the long run. But yeah, I mean, five rounds of the, I mean, where are they going to put these guys? It's going to be great to get slot money. You're a second round pick and we're going to give you $900,000. That's great. Where am I going to play next year? I have no idea. We got rid of our Burlington Vermont club. And, you know, I guess you'll have to go to spring training with like 20 other guys, you know, oh, we can't man. send you to big league camp yet. The You're extended a high spring roster is going to be 38 guys. Yeah. Play. Which Jeez. probably, I think I thought it was 38. It's going to probably be like 70 guys. <laughs> I, I don't know. But again, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Let's get back to the hope and the the dream. Yeah. You brought up the draft. I mean, my draft day my junior year ended up, I guess, being a little deflating. No, let, let's get into it. So it, it is draft day today, and that was that I actually wrote yeah. the draft down for this very purpose yeah, right here. For optimism. Yes, because <laughs> because if if Tull and I were draft eligible in twenty twenty guess what? We'd be two guys that are trying to get a podcast off the ground <laughs> because we would not have been drafted. So yeah. luckily we're, we were not in that situation, but tell, I want to know what was your, you know, yeah. what were you feeling going into the draft? And then what did you feel when you got drafted? What, you know, what are you dealing with? Yeah, that's a weird, it's not even a weird question. So I, in my mind, and we've talked about this in the or early, early in podcast. Case, in our case, what do you remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, my God, 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I was drafted. Yeah, we're gonna, that's what we sound like. Yeah, you know, I was a <laughs> scout that drafted Willie Mays, you know, and I used to see that kid in, uh, you know, the ballpark down at the park. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I remember being more excited. It's weird. Not more excited, maybe after. Um, when I, I got drafted out of high school and I didn't expect to get drafted out of high school. So I had some scouts coming out to the games and it was kind of like, Hey, I was on the radar and you know, people were like, Hey, you're, you know, you're an all-star, you know, like, oh, okay, great. Thanks. But you had team USA. I mean, you had some. No, yeah. No, when that, well, when the draft started to happen, that was the difference. And that's why I was disappointed. So I got drafted by the Yankees in like the 34th round out of high school. And it was like, all right, I got drafted by the Yankees. I got a telegram. That'll tell you what day and age it was. Holy I got a tele. Shit. I still have me? it. I'll, I'll bring it on the podcast. I have a telegram. You need, from to, you need to get that out there. Yeah. George, George M. Steinbrenner, the third. Hey, sent a telegram like stop we, we david need a we picture of stop that sent okay. to the producer right. of our show and right. get that on the I gotta, podcast i gotta I, find that i have thing. a copy of my scouting report oh i don't yeah. know if i want yeah. that no, my scouting report rough. got better as i went <laughs> i was gonna say um, i think mine did too <laughs> so so let's get back to because i want to hear your story telegram, too but uh, let's get back to the, the um so then my junior year like you know you i got a scholarship to college and i'm playing in my junior year i threw like the fifth most innings in the entire college you know in the nation you know and i mentioned mm-hmm. that before like bobby jones and you know one other dude threw more innings than i did yeah there you go so I was like, yeah, pat myself on the back. I was like, dude, I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm a man. Like, and we didn't have internet. We didn't have any of that stuff. So again, old man, like, back in my day, man. we didn't have the internet. And I was ranked as one of yeah. the, you know, top 50 prospects, pitching prospects. So great. That gets me in the top three rounds, you know, as a pitcher. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be great. Um, hello, is David there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is David. I've been waiting for this call all day. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Mike Zimmerman from Cincinnati Reds. Oh, hey, Cincinnati Reds. That's great. Yeah. Well, we've drafted you in the sixth round and uh, I'll be in touch with any further. I'm like, great. So I was like this. I was the first guy this guy ever drafted. He got two guys. He retired two years later. 
never really scouted. He was like looking over scout's shoulders in the stands, I think. And uh, yeah, and I was kind of deflated, you know, part of that teaches you a lesson, which is what you always say. You got to be your best critic and you got to be your best support because I was like, dude, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big guy, man. I'm like, I'm, I threw the, you know, a lot of innings. I'm a second team all American. Like, woo, I'm going to get drafted really high. Like that's how I was walking around, you know, in my head, I was a little more humble than that, but I was kind of like, what? This guy's never drafted anybody. I got drafted and marred shot on the Reds. And, you know, the rest is history. No, I'm kidding. But as you said, we, neither of us would have been drafted. That was the sixth round. So mm-hmm. today's draft went five rounds and I was in the sixth round. Guess what? Crumple it up, throw it away. It was, it was, it was great. The anticipation was great. Um, it was the uh, realization of a dream as you, you know, as you know. Yeah, there junior, is a part of that involved in it. Yeah, you're I starting agree. to talk to scouts all year and they ask you questions and you're like, all right, you, you're kind of ingrained in the process. And so, you know, like, hey, this is going to be a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm no Aaron Rodgers, like sitting in the green room, but there, there must be, you know, Bregman wears number two because he didn't go number one. Like, I mean, there's some chip on your shoulder regardless of oh, where yeah. you go. And so I had that same chip, I guess, is the point. So tell me, tell me your story. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm with you in that sense. You know, it, when you go through your junior year, like Tuttle's talking about, all of a sudden you start to see the scouts in the stands and uh, you, they, they linger after the game. They talk to you a little bit more and they're paying more attention. And I agree with you in the sense that like going to school my, the spring semester of my junior year, I didn't exactly take – really hard classes because I was in anticipation. I was like, dude, okay, if I get the chance, I'm going because it is a dream. And you you kind of exhausted your three years at school and uh, not that you wouldn't have finished it, but you're kind of at the point where you're like, okay, if I take a little bit of a break and get maybe a couple thousand dollars into put in the bank, I'll try it out and I can always go back and go to school. And I think that was a little bit of a luxury for guys that do go to school is you're like, oh man, if I don't make it, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden you turn around you're like, Oh, I got, I still have another year of Cal, which when I get out of there is going to be pretty cool. But, uh, you know, my junior year, I did the same thing you did. I was like, you know, chin up, chest out. And I'm going, boys, it's been real. I'm I'm, I'm out. (laughs) And, uh, the scouts blow so much smoke up your ass. they're, They're just coming out here going, man, you've improved so much. You know, I really see you in, in our organization being a top three round pick, to, you know, speed you through the system, get you there. So, you know, for me, I was, you know, I was like top three, top three, four rounds. I was like, okay, first through third. I knew first wasn't in me. I I think I was like second through third. Yeah, I think it was more like second, third, fourth round, you know, and I was like, okay. And that was, I think that was back when, back when we were getting drafted, it was uh, the first day was like five rounds, I believe. You know, they did it in sections. Oh, yeah. Um, so the first day of the draft, I kind of sat in the house, you know, I knew, knew the timing of it. Um, but I was kind of waiting for the phone call because we didn't have cell phones, obviously. And I'm kind of sitting by the phone doing some things The day ends. And by that night, I'm like, dude, what the, I'm like, whatever. All right. There's always tomorrow. They're doing six through 10 or six through 10 rounds tomorrow. And, uh, uh, I couldn't handle it. So I literally went to the mall with uh, my, I think it was my girlfriend or a couple of friends at the time. We went as a group and we went out, didn't think about it. Thank God. Just kind of went through the day, got back. And uh, I believe it was Bill Stoneman, the GM at the time of the uh, Montreal Expos. And it said, my mom, you know, real proudly, you know, handed the note and said, Hey, somebody from the Expos called. And I went, Oh my gosh, here we go. 
And uh, Bill Solman, hey, Jeff, proud to have you on. Seventh round pick of the Montreal Expos. I think it was 196th pick of, two, of 1994. And, I mean, you sit there and you don't have much negotiating power. I felt like I had a little bit. And I got uh, three semesters at Cal picked up. And then, I, I man, I, I, I'm almost 100% positive that I got a $40,000 bonus. And uh, I said, yep. And literally two days later, I had a plane ticket and I was on my way to Burlington, Vermont. But uh, I was pretty stoked about it and excited about the opportunity. But uh, yeah, you, you got to be mentally prepared. I like how you said you got to be your own hardest critic and your own you know, best supporter because there is a chip on your shoulder. And I, I think that if you don't have that chip, wouldn't you feel the same way? If you didn't have that chip on your shoulder, if you weren't just a little bit pissed off, there's something wrong with your competitive edge or that, that bone in your body that's like, man, I'm going to. F that yeah. guy. I'm, I'm better yeah. than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I, I mean, now that we talk about it, it's nice to hear your story was similar to mine. I mean, I, you know, hindsight is great, right? I mean, if I only well, the knew then get, what the I, better perspective. If, yeah, but if I, yeah. If I only knew then what I know now and it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, the smoke was just like what the scouts say. And then you realize the hierarchy now that I've been in the business world as well, or around baseball for 20 years, you realize yeah. like, your area scout can love you. I mean, he's like, dude, mm -hmm. I love watching True. you. And then when you have this little microcosm, it's like the population, like every kid in the Bay Area, it's like, yeah, this guy was one of the top two guys I saw in the Bay Area. But then they just, you know, they add the whole 50 states in there and you're like, oh, all of a sudden you're in this bigger pool, right? No, so that, that's a great explanation because it, you could be a first or third rounder in yeah. the Bay Area, like right. we both were. Yeah, right. You're all of a sudden, oh, the, you're, you're drafting all over America? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so they're not just, that's, yeah, that's, it's, you know, big fish, little pond. And, and I think that's what I mean. The scouts, even the cross checkers, and that's why they have cross checkers and area guys like the area guy should like you because you're in his area and you're talented. Um, and, you know, he's probably going to be a little more generous with his words and, you know, try mm -hmm. to kind of give you confidence as it goes. But uh, yeah, I think it was a, it's definitely now looking back as a, definitely a, a conversation worth a smile. And uh, yeah. And I guess, I, I guess we all felt a little bit like Aaron Rodgers did that one night sitting in the green room when he yeah, thought he was going to go top 10, he went 22 or even Alex Bregman who like, I mean, he didn't have to wait long at all. Like, hey, you're the best player we saw. We're going to draft you with the second pick. Like, second pick? Uh, <laughs> Who went ahead of me? Like, come on. There's yeah. nobody better than me. Like, you, all right. You've so. got to kind of appreciate that a little bit, you know? Oh, no. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I appreciate great. it like that. And look what it, look what it did for him. So his yeah. chip might be a little bit bigger than ours or, you know, who knows? I, I yeah. don't know. You know, I mean, your my ceiling's only so high. Yeah, just that's like the problem too like, with me. Yeah, right? like <laughs> hey, I'm only gonna throw so hard and run so fast, and you yep. Know, but you good know. times, and uh, you know, best of luck to those guys who do get drafted in the first five rounds, and best of luck of those to those who have the opportunity to to get into the system, so to speak, and try and grind their way to the big leagues. Uh, granted, opportunities are being limited these days in baseball. So really take advantage of it and uh, just play hard, play as hard as you possibly can. And we'll be uh, thinking about you as you get drafted, because I think we're paying a little bit more attention to this draft than we do in the past. Uh, I think even ESPN is picking up one of the ESPNs, even if it's the Ocho is going to pick up the, ma the major league baseball draft. So a yeah. good time for those guys to be able to get the exposure. And speaking of getting exposed, it is that time in this podcast for what'll Tuttle say, Coolio? What'll Tuttle say? Short and sweet today. We've uh, we've gone over time a little bit. I guess there is no such thing as a time limit. 
Um, and I mentioned that I was a little sluggish and depressed, but uh, I wrote down a couple notes this week. This one just seems to be the one standing out. Uh, I'm not a huge fan, folks, of the, uh, the internet uh, trying to tell you who you are and who you should be. So again, uh, I think we're all aware of like SEO, like search engine optimization and numbers and things like that. But uh, I think I put like the internet is a monster on here. Oh, no way. How about that? Yeah. Again, I, we I, don't. It was just a random note too. Yeah. So I'm not in your head or anything. No, you're not in my head. I mean, we, we don't, <laughs> we don't spitball these ideas beforehand. I usually like to catch you off guard. So you're going to have love a good, the topic. you're going to have a good rebuttal to what I'll tell say, but I, uh, Every time I get on my ESPN app, it's like, oh, do you want to like the Angels or like favorite the Angels or the Dodgers or the Rams or just because I'm in Southern California. So it pops my teams up. I'm like, well, my teams. It pops the teams up. I'm like, no, like X, 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 X. <laughs> like, but you would, it would be nice if I, you know, get on ESPN.com and I don't have to have a favorite or the news doesn't have to be centric or regionalized to me. Like, don't marginalize me and my opinion about – I want to see all the sports news. You know, I am a transplant like most people, right? I want to see, you know, if I get to favorite uh, the San Francisco Giants or, you know, maybe even I want to see Astros news because I know we're going to discuss it on the podcast. Like, please don't marginalize and regionalize me in my, uh, in my opinions. And that, that, ex that goes over a much, you know, a much broader spectrum. If I get on the internet and search for Nike shoes, well, guess what all the pop-up ads are, right? Nike shoes. So that's, that's okay. Look, I'm not going to get on business people yeah, doing business. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it's a very kind of um, 1984 big brother feeling when every time I get on the app and it's like, you know, do you want to be, you know, let's favorite yeah. the Dodgers. Let's favorite the angels. Let's favorite the Rams. And it wears me out. So again, not a huge, uh, insightful Waddle Tuttle say, but uh, just let me be. Let me have my freedom. This is a, a, a free country, and, uh, you know, please don't try and paint me in a box. I got, I got a podcast to do. I need to see all sports, all <laughs> news know, all the time. Yeah. And besides, why would I want to get on L.A. Rams news or L.A. Dodgers news right now when the L.A. Dodgers are not even on the field, people? And mm -hmm. neither are the L.A. Rams, for lack of a better word, but. Term. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I mean, between the internet, I mean, just trying to figure out who you are and make you the, make you what you think you are. And I mean, who's to say that, you know, what sucks about that is that if you loan your computer to somebody, say <laughs> one of your kids uh, who is a female and right. is looking all at of your kids, have to be female. you know, and then all of a sudden I've got 9,000 ads rolling through my feeds of women's bathing suits. I'm going, good Lord. You know, how, how long is this algorithm going to last until I can get back to, like you said, my Nike or Link Soul or golfing or, you know, whatever yeah. it is I'm looking at. But, uh, you know, I, I actually, it's funny you say it because I read The Athletic or I try to as often mm -hmm. as I can. And The Athletic does the same thing. It gives you like this full-on survey and you're like, oh, okay, maybe it'll give me more information to Cal, uh, Cal Bears basketball team. And then all of a sudden, it's Cal Bears basketball, and I can't get over to the Astro page, or I can't get over to Major League News, and it's and it's and it's tough. So all of a sudden, like I I do what you do, I'm like X X X X. Yeah. Just give me a broad based, you know, blanket of information to that I can go to. But even to the extent of social media, and this it's almost by choice, you know, some of the people that you do follow, I try and follow both, you know, the pros and cons of whatever I'm 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 involved in, so that I get both sides of the story because you can get so inundated with 
I mean, it, maybe it's not misinformation, but it's maybe misdirected information that's kind of curtailing to whatever your, your thought is. And then you lose sight of what's over here. And that's where I get a little frustrated with some of that stuff too. But I mean, that's a little involved, you know, in some, so there, I, I've, I've actually pulled back on a lot of information I see on, on social media, most notably because I'm like, good going on here. Well, I think you touched on it already. The internet's a monster. And, um, and mm. the funny thing I can tie this to our last subject is, uh, is with the baseball thing. It's so funny if they had on the internet now, it would be like reading your own scouting report. You said you have your scouting report. It's like you would just, I mean, if somebody told you the greatest baseball player, the hit Cal in the last 10 years, you'd walk around with your chest puffed out. If somebody said, oh, Blum, he's a, he's a, he's a fraud. He's never going to make it you know, you might walk around with your head hunk, like, you know, that's what this does. It's like, I don't want, mm -hmm. I don't want to get news piped in that isn't relevant to me. It's, it's a way, it's a good way to disassociate to say, look, I want to seek this out. This is what I want to read. Um, and there's an, something to be said for that, the old newspaper style, like I'm going to read this article, but I don't want to read this one. You get on a web page, you start searching around. And as you said, you go down a rabbit hole. Um, I've had the same experience with YouTube where if I'm on my computer and I go on YouTube, I, I don't log in. Typically, I just I search for a couple of videos and then it pops up like-minded videos. If my daughters or my son gets on there, it's like the next five times I got on YouTube, it's like, you know, it's got a whole different algorithm and a whole different set of it. I don't want to see any of these things. So <laughs> anyway, my whole point is like um, tongue in cheek, right? You know, a white man in America, I'm not being marginalized, but you know, don't regionalize and marginalize me, internet. Like, let me be me. Um, let me be free. So that was the uh, what'll Tuttle say. And I, I'm really, I know we've been on this thing a while, but I definitely want to hear about your weekend with live baseball. So let's, yep. uh, let's throw it to Bloom's Blasts. Boom. And it was good. I am so far, as far as I know, COVID free because I called, I called six games in three days. I'm glad my voice is back because it was a little sketchy on Sunday, Monday, but uh, over I went to uh, College Station, Bryan, Texas, just north of College Station, and called uh, six games in three days for the College Summer Baseball Invitational. Uh, you know, again, it was 90 collegiate athletes, uh, baseball players, four teams in a kind of round-robin tournament, much like a regional that they play these days. And I had a blast. I absolutely had a blast. It was not the most conducive working environment, me being all bougie and big league in my broadcasting career and being spoiled rotten. But it was still, you know, a very pure, crude baseball game that I got to go watch. And I got to be there in person, and I loved it. I had an absolute blast. The kids that were playing were the men. There were some men. There were some kids. But they were fantastic. They understood what they were doing, and they did it to the best of their ability. And I applauded them for it. I actually went down after the last game and just kind of gave everybody a little fist bump and was just like, great job, guys. Thanks for giving me something to talk about for three days. And we had a blast. But some of the things that you know, I think a lot of people are kind of curious about, how did you get in there? How did this happen? How did it function? How did, you know, was it worth it? Um, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And it was great. It went really well. In order to get inside the bubble that we called it, you had to get COVID tested. I had the antibody test and I had the COVID test. I did not have any antibodies, so I have not had COVID. And I got tested going in. I tested negative, so I got inside the bubble, checked into the hotel, couldn't leave the hotel unless I was going to a ball game. 
they gave us food. They gave us breakfast, lunch, dinner, and supplied food at the, uh, at the ballpark when we needed it. And, uh, we called, uh, called six games. Like I said, and I was sitting three feet away from my play-by-play partner, Brett Dolan. We had a, an on-field reporter named Jill Jelnick and she was interviewing players. So it was, a pretty standard operating broadcast for me and it, and it went well and I'm not, you know, hopefully in two weeks we're all still COVID free and nobody snuck through. But for the most part, in order to get in the bubble, you had to test negative. And then when it was over, oh, there were no fans. And to be honest with you, I didn't even pay attention to the fans because I was calling the game. I had my headset on. Uh, we actually had field mics or, that you could pick up what the players were saying, which was highly entertaining. You know, they were ragging the umpires. They were ragging each other. They were cheering for each other. We saw a home run derby. We saw international uh, tie-breaking rules happen, which I thought were fascinating. Um, and then uh, it's over. And I got a wake-up call about 9.30 in the morning of somebody banging on my door with a Q-tip that felt like it was about a foot and a half long. And it felt like they got to this point about right here in my skull. And they said, okay, that's good. We got it. And they tested you. So it's a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling getting tested. But the weird thing about it was, is you're, as you're getting tested, you, the gravity and the reality of COVID set in. And that was probably the freakiest thing about it. You're like, oh, there's people getting tested for this and dealing with this sickness. And that's where the reality kind of set in. But we accomplished it. As far as I know, I'm still COVID free. And we had a successful three days of watching baseball, man. So, I mean, it, it gave me some hope. Is it an oxymoron to say the international tiebreaker for America's pastime? Like, I don't know yes. if that's an oxymoron. I actually brought that I'm like, up. What the? An international tiebreaker for America's pastime? Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. You know, like, how do they? Why did the international committee come up with this, man? It's our game. <laughs> The world happened. Like, how come we don't have that, right? Is it? It's yeah. similar to Justin Turner's or JT's idea, right? Wasn't it? Like well, a- we kind of you took we took the best of both worlds because the first game we actually did was a tie ball game, and they said, "Okay, we're going to go bases loaded, nobody out." I disagree with that premise. I think if you're going to do it, either do a guy at second base, nobody out, or you do bases loaded, one out, and. Oddly enough, it's for the pitcher's benefit mm-hmm. because if you're a pitcher and you have the bases loaded, you get a ground ball, they turn a double play, a run still scores. And you're like, you know, why should you be able to win the, win the game on a ground ball that turned into two outs? Oh, yeah. Kind of the idea. Oh. You know, so I was thinking if you did bases loaded one out and you did your job, Tuttle, as a pitcher and got yeah. that good sinker and they rolled over, they turned two, you're out of the inning, and then the other team starts. So it kind of – it doesn't even it out, but it gives you a yeah. chance to get out of it or at least force the other team to earn the, earn the runs as opposed to just right. going, hey, I grounded out, we won, yay! You know? From a selfish perspective, it's like, uh, you know, who gets charged with the earned run if I'm going to step out there and it's bases loaded? It's like, no, I'm like, so there's no outs. It's like I come in, get the double play, and then the game's over, and I'm like, do I get charged? What? Yeah, no. did I get the loss here? I don't know. Anyway, that's, isn't that the selfish guy saying that? Like, uh, hey, but apparently, how is that going to affect yeah. my No, ERA? but you got to ask him mean, if you're playing for money. Yeah, if you're going to get paid or go to arbitration, you want to know where these earned runs or losses go. That's right. uh, but apparently, the earned runs just kind of go. Oh, and there you go. Nobody gets charged with it. They're oh, after nine board. innings and they start the rule, then yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. I guess, yeah. It would be kind of fun to do that for college football because, you know, when college football did that 25-yard line and in, it's mm-hmm. like I saw a game that was like 24 to 24. 
And then, you know, or 24-21, they kick a field goal right at the end to tie us 24-24. And then you see the highlights later, and it's 58-57. Oh, you're just going Yeah, but the quarterback (laughs) threw like four touchdown passes in overtime. Turns into arena football. Yeah, and he got 700 (laughs) yards passing. You're like, wait a second. Like, I turned that game off. He had like 280 yards passing, two touchdowns, you know, one interception. So, I mean – you know, if it was a home run derby, I don't think they count like the guy that hit seven home runs. It's not like yeah. had, oh, it's a seven home run game, but the stats don't matter. The wins and losses do. I just thought it was interesting to point out the, uh, I'm glad that you were sharp on the broadcast. Cause, uh, you know, you got to keep Brett in line. He's not, yep. he's not the sharpest. Oh, that's my shed. job, man. Yeah, no, uh, but it's like the international extra inning rule, you know, mm-hmm. international tiebreaker for an America's pastime for America's pastime. Yep. Interesting stuff, but we accomplished it. And hopefully we're seeing other sports do that. Now baseball just needs to get their ass in gear and make it happen. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> a pretty simple request. Yeah. But uh, that, that's going to do it for uh, Bleacher Blums. I hope everybody out there is doing extremely well. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, I know that we said we didn't have much to say, but we always end up having a lot to say because uh, we feed off each other, I believe. And, uh, you know, we want to thank all all first responders during this tough time. We want to thank all military and essential workers and frontline workers and everybody who is working together to create a better world for everybody because we are in this together ultimately. And we may not be able to find that one ultimate goal that we can all fight for and believe in, but at least we can believe in each other and treat each other as equals moving forward. So that being said, I am done, but I'm actually looking forward to the Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire 1998 documentary that's coming up this weekend. I don't know how you're thinking about that, Tuttle, but uh, any thoughts and final thoughts? Yeah, a couple of things. One is that documentary is just, I mean, you know, it happened while we were playing, you know, right in the heyday. And, uh, you know, the first thing that jumps out is steroids. I mean, it's a fantastic thing, but it's like, that's all I keep thinking of. Like, these guys were like, Homer, 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 Homer. You're like... (laughs) I mean, you know, there's just no, there's no getting around it. That that's, that's the first thing I think of. Was it a great time for baseball? The long ball, you know, chicks dig the long ball. It was great. Kind of a necessary evil. Yeah. But we talk about an asterisk all the time, right? Is there Mm -hmm. an asterisk for the, you know, championship, you know, in 2017, is there an asterisk for this? Is there an asterisk for that? You know, Barry Bonds home run record. You know, I kind of feel like watching the documentary with an asterisk. Like, all right, you know, it's a great time. It was fun. Um, and then kind of back to what you said about the first responders and everything. Yeah, I mean, if we want a common enemy, I think if this podcast taught us nothing else, let's all be unified as a human race and get Major League Baseball to get its shit together and get back on the field, right? So let's all, like, we don't care what color we are. We don't care where we came from. But let's... Let's get let's let's all gang up on baseball. They're the last to kind of get in There's line. There's something to Every, believe in right there. Let's go. I like it. Tuttle. That's right. So <laughs> anyway, so if we can't if we can't figure out what to believe in and we can't figure out how to unify ourselves, let's all uh, let's all get together and um, find a way to petition and and uh, you know be strong together to get Major League Baseball back on the field. And I think that would be worthwhile. Completely agree. And another good aspect about what I did this weekend was I got to see an old teammate, Latroy Hawkins, and he actually had a pretty good speech for the guys as he was uh, getting ready to play. And he said, just get to know somebody, get to know where they came from, get to know what they've been through, try to understand them a little bit more and let them understand a little bit more about you too. We'll all be better for it. So with that being said, we said at the end of every podcast, and now it probably means more than anything than ever right now, get after it. Most of all, believe it. 